good times. Agreed. What's up? Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, how's How you it going? Doing? How you been? Uh, I'm good. Um, try not to get fat now that I'm aged out and on this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's a task. It's a real task to not do that. A lot of people seem to fall into that trap. It's amazing how you can eat like 5,000 calories a day and not have to worry about getting fat because <laughs> you're running around so much and then you age out. And you're like, oh man, I really have to think about what I'm doing here. I can't just eat whatever I want. I had a peanut. And... You had a peanut and your love handle got bigger? Exactly. <laughs> well, alright. Welcome everybody. Episode 3 of the Aged Out Podcast. We have on popular demand with us today. Defending gold medalist, center snare for the Blue Coast 2016, Mr. Aaron Bailey. How the heck are you, man? Man, you, you made that sound a lot cooler than it feels. It's a big deal. <laughs> Has your uh, Facebook friend request just blown up with uh, high school and foreign kids that are adding you? It's, <laughs> it's been kind of like backlogged for a while. I need to go in and like uh, figure all that out. <laughs> Dude, I was always surprised at the amount of friend requests I got from, I don't know, just random people in like Singapore or Thailand. Yeah. That probably don't know how to even pronounce my name but have added me on social media <laughs> it happens that's, that's got to be half of them <laughs> half of them Jeez. Well, what's the other half um spam accounts spam all right so why don't we uh start with a little bit of an introduction for those that don't really know much about you i kind of that's kind of the direction i want to take like the guests episodes on just kind of give people a chance to get to know the different people in the activity, um, how they started, where they marched, mm-hmm. and then we'll just kind of, kind of spitball and just talk about all kinds of random stuff from your experiences. So, all right. Um, well, I guess we should go way back. Oh dear. So, uh, my mom plays bagpipes. That's awesome. Uh, third. Wait, you're, you're being serious. I'm being dead serious. Um, still does in the local pipe band and you don't say third grade Aaron she is she asked me hey do you want to come learn how to play snare drum in the pipe band and so my first experience playing snare drum was in a Scottish pipe band that's a unique one yeah, yeah I, that's I, pretty cool that's um, and it was funny because like um, I think three three or four of us at Blue Coats this past summer had that background in Scottish drumming. Really? Yeah, it was weird. Um, ben Heydrich, Max Nevis, those dudes. I've been gone way too long. I have no well. idea who any of those guys are. That's not an insult to them. I'm sure they're very good snare drummers. I just we're old, dude. This is depressing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone in the activity anymore. <laughs> I realized that the other day. I don't know anyone currently in a drum corps drum line marching right now. I know people teaching. I don't know anyone still doing it. I know some people marching. A couple. Yeah. Like Henry's marching Phantom. Ah, that's true. I do know who that is. But Ryan. I know his older sister because she marched with me. Do you not know Ryan? <laughs> I never really met Ryan Ellis. Like, I've met him in passing at random indoor shows, but I've never, like, gone to Bargo's and, like, drank a beer with him or something. Or well, he's super you guys. dreamy, so. <laughs> is he McDreamy? Is he McDreamy of the uh, drum corps world at this point? He's got the strong chin. But anyway, <laughs> background here. Um, I guess, so, so I went to South Oldham High School, and they were Where short, is that at? South Oldham High School, Crestwood, Kentucky. It's like a suburb of Louisville. Um, 
It's like the one part of Kentucky that isn't really Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> that statement makes so much sense to people from Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they needed people in their drumline, and somebody told somebody else that I played snare drum. So I get a message from Kevin Hankins, another uh, accent Blue Coats alum, that says, hey, like you should do marching band. It'll be awesome. Come play come play snare drum and um i probably like switched back and forth like i'll do it no i don't want to do it it's too much time and then like the day before camp i was like okay i'm in let's do it that's that's funny that you say it was such a deliberation for you because like i got into it it was an extremely yes or no decision like it's weird that you went back and forth like that because i was switching from eighth grade in the private school system in louisville to the public school system and my parents were just trying to figure out things to get me involved in to make friends and stuff switching because uh-huh. nobody I went to middle school with was going to this high school in the public school system and I had been taking drum set lessons for like six weeks before I finished eighth grade and my dad just randomly met someone through work who was like hey your son plays drums right I heard Ballard's Drumline which is another high school here in Louisville um, has a really good one you should look into that. And my dad just came home that night and asked me, hey, would you be interested in maybe trying out for Ballard's Drumline? And I didn't even think about it. It wasn't like a deliberation. I just said, all right, sure. You probably didn't realize how much work it was at that point either. Well, no, I had no, my only impression of it was Drumline the movie. That, <laughs> mo- that movie was literally, as, as false and stupid as that movie is, was one of the big influencing factors in me wanting to do this i mean i feel like we all thought that movie was cool at one point and then you get in the activity even in high school when you're like well in conjunction with like that movie the thing that got me to transfer from middle school to high school marching band was like i had gone to the high school football games and like seen them like playing in the stands and like playing the stand tunes and like the groovy stuff i was like oh man that's cool it's hip. I want to do that. And so, like, that was my impression. I want to go play some, like, rock grooves. And Only some, do pep Some bands. cadences and stuff. And, like, pep band stuff. God, I, I hated that. And I want, that was what that was my impression. That's what got me to swing over uh, and actually do marching band in high school. So, it's like, I started taking lessons in middle school in anticipation that I was eventually going to max out my marching experience playing hip-hop tunes in the stands. <laughs> Where did you loft, go from there? Lofty, lofty goals right there, right? So, so all right, so you were teetering on yeah, going back and forth. You decided to go for it. I went for it, and then I loved it, obviously. Um, and then, like, I had my buddies showing me, like, Rhythm X videos, like, Rhythm X 09. I thought it was awesome. And I went to, like, 2010 DCI Louisville show. And then, I think that was when I really wanted to march drum corps. So, this is sophomore, sophomore in high school, Aaron Bailey. Did you guys, when you were in Blue Stars in 2010, Mike, did you guys go to the Louisville show? No. I, re- I remember specifically asking like the core director before the season, like, hey, when's the schedule going up? Are we going to go to the Louisville show? And we did not. I never, I never went to the Louisville show when I was marching. I got to at Bluecoats. In 2012, I got to play at my home show. Family and friends I got to come see it. It was great. Um, Cardinal Stadium is a great venue. They should do more drum corps shows there. In my two years marching crown, 
We never did a single thing in Kentucky. That sucks. Except for one day, we had a rehearsal at West Jetson High School, and that was it. But nobody ever got to see it. And it rained, like, like, all day. It, like, rained all day, so nobody that was close really even got to see it live, unless they went to a show out of state somewhere and saw one of the years that I marched around. (laughs) I was like, man, we got this 10,000-mile tour, and both years never even come close to the state of Kentucky. (laughs) We stayed at, uh, for the... For the Louisville show in 2012, we stayed at Seneca High School, the Blue Coats did, and the original schedule, we were supposed to get in early like enough. downtown, isn't it? Seneca? Mm, not really. Um, I could be totally wrong. I'm terrible with locations and directions. Ask There's Devin. too many high schools around here. There's like a billion high schools in Louisville. But the point is, like, I thought the original travel schedule, we were going to get in early enough, like 1 a.m., where I could be like, it's like 10 minutes from my house. I was going to call my brother and say, hey be waiting in the parking lot, take me home so I can sleep in my bed tonight, and you're going to drive me back here at like 7 a.m. in the morning or 7.30, and I was going to sneak out, and then we got delayed and didn't get in until like 3.30, and I would have gotten... You never get anywhere on schedule. No, you don't. It's... On tour. Such a so shit. DCI 2010 kind of sold you. DCI 2010 sold me. All right. I saw, I, I saw Glassman, Madison Scouts, Cavaliers, and Bluecoats in the lot. And okay, Bluecoats 2010. I, I after that, I wanted yeah. to march Bluecoats. Um, but I, <laughs> it's funny, I said to myself, like, oh, maybe I could like march Glassman for a summer and get better so that I can make a like Bluecoats or something, dude. That's the best approach, though. I think a lot of kids, we're Mike and I were talking about this earlier, like, a lot of kids have this dream of like, I want to march BD, Crown, Glassman. Like, obviously, those groups are having a lot of success right now, but. They just like they go and audition for those groups, and if they like they don't make it, they're heartbroken. But most of the people that are in those groups that year have marched somewhere previously to get experience, just to get better. In not to knock anybody who's like marched a lower group because they work just as hard, but you, sometimes you got to get in somewhere. Like you can't. If just... I I have gotten cut from a lot less prestigious places. If I just, like, stopped auditioning when I got cut, I never would have marched anywhere. Oh, I got Mark, cut a bunch of times. Like, Mark, first first year out, I was like, so this is, like, 16-year-old. Yeah, I was 16 years old. And, um, I went to Legends, got cut. I went to Spirit, got cut. I, I went to Bluecoats knowing that I would get cut at least, but to just, that was my first camp to, like, figure out what auditions are all about. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why you got cut. Evan and I both caught you at some point. Some goofy, goofy-looking hands. Oh, we God. all have had goofy hands at some point. Everybody, everybody, everybody's it took there. Me, it took me until I aged out to figure out my hands. Well, we'll uh, we'll revisit kind of the audition thing here. We'll let you finish yeah, kind finish. of your your roadmap, and then we'll we'll revisit the audition process. All right. So, so by the time I was uh, a junior in high school, I had kind of. Uh, narrowed my efforts to Glassman. So I ended up getting one of the last few contracts on the snare line. Um, So I marched the 2012 season, which was the hardest summer of my life, for sure. Um, Why? Oh, I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I think everyone's first summer is like that. Yeah. No matter what people tell you, and what your preconceived notions are from YouTube videos and even word of mouth and people that have done it, 
nothing prepares you for that fully. So you can like, you can run every day, you can lift weights, like you're gonna get your butt kicked, and because you're just you're not no one goes into their first summer of drum corps and are good at marching. Well, not this the physical aspect too, but like mentally, like it's just such a different like level, the mental game, like waking up every day early, you're tired from the day before. You're sore from the day before, but you just got to go out and do it. And, like, yeah. you're just not used to that. It's different. But besides besides those broad strokes, like, not every butt kicking, so to speak, is created equally. <laughs> like, I envy the people that only know, like, blue coats. Um, and not to say that, like, Glassman is the worst thing ever, but it was a lot of people that were really green and a lot of stuff getting beaten into us to make it good. Yes. I feel that, that that butt whooping is almost a side effect of the greenness. It's like everyone needs at least one, but at the, some point, the upper cores, like everyone's already had their ass kicked. So. And do you think that might be why your butt kicking at blue coats was less intense? Because all those guys in that drum line, like you said earlier, have marched drum corps before. Oh, for sure. So they've had that experience. So they don't. the The staff there doesn't have to. Get their butt in gear. Like you can so work speak. smarter. Yes, because the people are better at marching. They're better at playing. Yeah. They know what's expected of them. More information, they're... less reps. Exactly. Like I remember, you're just better at learning. Fewer reps. Exactly. You're used yeah. to you're used to those on the fly changes. <laughs> I remember at Blue Stars, there was a day. My my green butt whooping story here. Tom Angst is still one of the best in the activity, and I was fortunate enough to march for him. And he's still like got out on the field like took his shirt off at like he was probably 50 late 40s i think in 2010 i don't know how old he is actually but probably around there maybe aging him a little bit there maybe i'm not well he's aged out at least <laughs> <laughs> he is aged out that's true but he uh we always knew when tom came out to battery sectionals and took his shirt off not a whole lot was going to be said except reset at a set <laughs> Or reset, do it again. Every, as, no matter how good you get, everybody needs those those days And sometimes. I remember a specific block in Atlanta, before the Atlanta Regional, there was a chunk of our second chart that was at like tempo 210, and the drill was really hard. And so we were bad at it. We just needed to have our butts kicked, basically, for a block to show us that it wasn't scary. You, don't need to be, you can do it. You don't need to be afraid of this part of the show to get us to attack it instead of let it attack us, basically. And so our techs were literally, for the three-hour block we were on this side field, throwing a tennis ball back and forth while Tom just kicked the living crap out of us. Nobody in the drum line talked the entire three hours. Nobody said anything. It was just reset, do it again, or reset, add the next set on. I like those and blocks sometimes. Like when you, you kind of get in your own zone, and you're not like talking, you're not thinking about anything else, you're just like doing band. And at that point, I think it becomes easier. Like even if it's hot... You're doing like hard stuff. You get lost in the you just, yeah, you just you get, get in the moment. You get of lost it. in the reps. Yeah. So, that's right. 2012. We're gonna make it this time. We're gonna make it. No, that's, that's all right. No, it's fine. So, I like the uh, sidetrack. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tangents. They're good. Yeah. Um, Glassman 2012. Um, which I I also. That's where I met Mike Davis. He wasn't that who, line, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, who I said, hey, let's audition for Bluecoats next year. I didn't audition because I thought girls were more important at that point. So 
I took 2013. They, they still are <laughs> and always should. Well, <laughs> go on. I, uh, I took I took 2013 off of uh, drum corps, but that's when. That's when Aaron when I, and I met. I auditioned for Tate's Creek. I was a snare tech. Because um, my uh, Will Stevenson, who taught me in high school, was the caption head. Was that what his role there? I'm not sure his exact title. He was. He wrote the battery music. Yeah. He. He was one of the the big guys at Tate's Creek. So I thought, like, I'll march under Will again and with another buddy from high school, have a good time. But with my sights set on Rhythm X eventually. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Evan Evan was a snare tech my first year at Tate's Creek. That was, that was 2013, right? 2013. Uh-huh. So, oh, 2014 auditions. I, I made it all the way to April at Bluecoats. You did? I did. I didn't know that. Um, funny story. Kyle Suchia, the, the current Blue Coat Center snare. Um, he and I were both auditioning in 2014. Uh, end of the January camp. Roger talked to both of us and he said, look, like, I've been going back and forth. Like, I can't decide between you two. Um, I think there were, like, seven snares contracted and they wanted to go eight. So Roger's like, look, we're going to call the two of you back to April and... If one of you is, like, slamming, then we'll take that person. If we can't decide still, we'll go nine. So it's like, okay, cool. We're good. Get to April. Um, Jason Salad Fingers. Slade Butter. <laughs> yeah. However Jay- you pronounce that Jason guy's last name. Jason shows up, and uh, Connor Yasuda, who marched Pulse, they both show up, and... They get two spots, and Kyle and I get cut. We, so they went nine anyway. <laughs> so two future Blue Coat Center snares got each other cut in 2014. That's funny. Because um, they couldn't contract either of you in March. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, so rewind a little bit. WGI Finals. I, I auditioned, and this is in quotation marks, for uh, Ted Lee. You're welcome. Um... <laughs> I just remembered that I set that up. Did w- you? I was teaching you in, in Tate's Creek that season. Oh my gosh. In so, 2014. And yeah. I got Ted to check you out for Blue Stars that summer. I was getting worried about Blue Coats, as I should have been. Um, so I, I kind of auditioned like on a Rhythm X snare drum on a pad for Ted Lee. So that uh, Blue Stars would hopefully take me in the event that I get cut from uh, Blue Coats. Which they did. Which was awesome. Um, so I marched Blue Stars 2014, and, uh, that was actually a really fun summer. Um, was that Schreiber's first year there? Uh, second year. Was, he... So that was, like, the whole Mapes, Ian Grom, Schreiber, second year, uh-huh. tenure. Yeah, cool. so. Cool. Was 2012 Schreiber's last year at Bluecoats? Yes. Mm-hmm. See, I'm jealous of you guys, because you had, like, Mike Jackson, Eric Schreiber, Roger Carter, like, all in the same staff. Like, that's ridiculous. It was pretty cool. Um, a lot of different mentalities to learn from throughout a summer. Yeah. Um, and that Shriver tuning. It's good stuff. Gotta give a shout out to that. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not going to reveal the secret. And He has told me what he does, and it's very simple. It's, yeah, it's not much of a formula. <laughs> don't reinvent the wheel is all I'll say. It's very simple how he makes his drums sound like that. If he's even the one that still tunes him in Blue Stars. I haven't talked to him in like three years. I don't know. Even if he's not the one that tunes them, I feel like if the current tuning at Blue Stars was bad, he'd be like, no, change it. <laughs> so. If you don't figure it out, I'm just going to come in and tune yeah. them for you. 
because he's I feel like a lot of times in this activity the simplest stuff is the best yeah when it comes to tuning when it, I feel like people try to reinvent the wheel like I said a minute ago way too much even though this tried and true method for doing X has been working for 15 years you should change it no I mean I'm all for innovation and going in different directions but if any broke, don't fix it in the end. Unless you come up with something that is legitimately better. Which, Valid. if Valid. something's if something's been used for years, the odds of you being the smart enough person to come up with <laughs> the next the next thing are pretty low. Like I, that, I mean, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the tangent wrangler again. Tangent here. wrangler. All right. <laughs> so my lasso. Sorry, I'm bad about that. Nah, it was good. So yeah. Um, Blue Stars was like my first taste of like the the more flowy West Coast style. Like I always I got hounded about like just not performing and like not having You were the, the stiff the white kid from Kentucky. Yeah, the East Coast boy. Um but um side note, that was me too. Continue. Yeah, it like took me until I aged out. Um took me until after I aged out. <laughs> so then after Blue Stars. Um, I was fortunate enough to make Rhythm X, maybe only because they took eleven snare drums. It's a lot of snare which drums. Which was ridiculous. It was like it's too many. And I was on the end for that line, so I got the I got the end drill of an eleven man snare line. Oh god! I like like listen down the snare line, and it's like. <sighs> well, no, you I can agree with that because I was on the end of the ten man snare line in twenty twelve and. Mike's like yelling over to me at the middle. He's like, "Is it good?" I'm like, "Yeah, just don't change anything. You just did." I had no Even idea. It sounds like crap. I had to block out everything going on to my left except Zach J and Frankie, the two guys next to me. If I listened past that, it sounded like gobbledygook because yeah, PSA, they're so just, far away. They're so far away. Just listen sound to one away. drum. <laughs> yeah. Just listen to the one drum next to you, and don't listen to the ones past that. I remember being yeah. in the finals lot. We're in the finals lot with a massive crowd around us in 2012 for indoor, indoor season. And we get done with a rep and the crowd goes nuts. And I didn't know if it was good or not. I had to look at, I looked at Dan Shack and Evan. The crowd probably didn't know either. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I looked over after the rep and like, I was pretty sure it was really good. Just based on like the staff's reaction. You know, like you said, the crowd might not have even known if it was really good. I like looked over at Dan and Evan and I was like, is it good? Am I, am, I, am I ruining it for everybody? Because <laughs> I had no idea. And it's... And it was good. <laughs> good times. Alright, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 11 <laughs> man snare so, line. So uh, after that, um, I had... I had probably the easiest audition of my life at Bluecoats for 2015. Um, I don't... I Something about that audition, I was just feeling super confident. I played well all weekend. I had to really get down the lines. I had a good individual, and fortunately for me, um, I got contracted Saturday morning, which was before, like, everyone got thrown through the ringer Saturday night, like, Roger would teach us something really hard, alright, play it, down the line, alright, something new, really hard, alright, play it, everybody, okay, down the line, and I was just like... Is this the November camp you're talking about, This is the January camp. Okay. So I'm like... I'm like sitting, like behind the drums on a pad mm -hmm. for auditions, while everybody well, else is just completely choking <laughs> and having themselves. 
Yeah, everyone else is, like, playing their down the lines, and me and Mike D are next to each other on pads, like, I'm not going up there. <laughs> well, there was there was something like that. Well, when I auditioned in 12, they contracted me in November at the Thanksgiving, their very first camp on Sunday. And in January, when we came back, it's kind of like you said, I dodged the bullet. Like, because I was the only one they contracted. They contracted the four vets, or the two vets from the Midwest, and there were two in California, Colton and Joel. They contracted at their California camp a few weeks after. And... They contracted me with those guys that weekend, and in January, like you said, they put those guys through, like, the four or five they, they were trying to decide between. They were making them do, they took them, they left me, Tom, and Joe in the room with the rest of the kids that were there to learn, basically, and weren't going to make it, essentially, and they took, like, the six or seven guys who they were deciding between for the last three spots up, like, into the gym and did, like, marching and playing fundamental stuff and, like taught them something and made a march and play on the move and stuff and i'm just down there oh, like terrible like thank god i'm not having to do that right now because that sounds miserable and uh yeah. yeah it's it was it was funny so audition went great um 2015 blue coats is the the season that i look back on most fondly of any uh any season indoor or after that I marched. Was that the best drum line you were ever in? It was the best drum line I was ever in. Snare line or just drum line as a whole? Yes. Both. Good, an- good answer. <laughs> good answer. Um, yeah, we just, like, something clicked towards the end of the season, and we got really good, and it was just a good group of people. So you, pe- had, you peaked at the right time. You peaked at the right you, time. That's very important on tour that people don't realize. A lot of drum lines throughout the summer go, go through a lot of ups and downs. And you might come out of the gate in June, out of spring training, on fire. But then, like, the, the summer just gets to you. It's a certain individual's group as a whole. You start clashing a little bit. Um, and then the groups that peak at the right time, which is the last two weeks of the season, are the ones that place in the top three or four, usually. Like, there's been summers where you have a group come out swinging and then they just kind of plateau on like July 10th and never get any better. So like that, the yeah. whole timing thing is extremely important. I just completely no train wrecked what you were talking about and you have no, what were you talking about? I forgot to. No, I'm, that's good. 2015 was the best drum line you were ever in. 2015 was great. Um, and then I guess that's that's about it for for my marching career because at that point on I just marched um, Rhythm X until I aged out. Well, I, I guess I should say Blue Coats first. I aged out the Blue Coats this past summer, and then aged out with Rhythm X this past winter with the uh, ten year low score. Wait, you guys had the lowest <laughs> score Rhythm X has had in ten years? Maybe not score placement. In ten uh, years. Was it sixth or fifth? 2007. Is this since 2007? Yeah, since 2007. So, yeah. What do you think happened? Do you think other groups were just really good? Because I thought you all played your butts off. I thought you all played extremely well. I don't think that you guys should have finished in the placement that you finished have. I I think... Do I think you should have won? No, but finished where... I think you should have beaten a group or two <laughs> above you. But that's all. That happens, I, that happens every year, though, unfortunately. I, I felt like the recap was confusing... And the, the placement, I wasn't as upset about as I was kind of just like, the recap didn't reflect how I felt the uh, <laughs> performance had gone. <laughs> the performance went, yeah. Wow. That's but, a that's a whole other issue I mean, we in got, of itself. 
you get cool YouTube lot videos, so it's fine. <laughs> Immortalized on YouTube. <laughs> the lot's all we care about anyway, right? The show doesn't really count. Lots are... Lots are... Lots are fun, man. Yeah. Dude, it's fun. They were my favorite part. Probably... It's the hype. Probably lot, my favorite part. The lot hype is real. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, bringing, I guess... So... Blue Coast 2016 aged out. Rhythm X 2017 aged out. Mm-hmm. So, earlier we were talking about kind of like the audition process. And you had mentioned... You've been cut from less prestigious places, and it made me kind of think back on some nostalgic memories of me getting cut and heartbroken in the many places that I've gone. Uh, or what about Blue Coats auditions? Uh, well, dude, I I actually tried out for Blue Coats twice. Twice? I thought it was just once. No, twice. Uh, I tried out the first time, and it was probably I think that was actually my first drum corps camp ever. It was in the fall of 2006 for what would have been the 2000 summer. I was like 11. Or 2007 dude. summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been the 2007 season. I think that was when they first changed their uniforms and they did the criminal show and all that. No more you mean, white pants? You, you mean huh? to, no more white pants. Yeah, they, they switched from the you, white pants to the black. You mean they went to the best uniforms the blue coats have ever had? I do love that uniform. Yeah. I was so accurate. happy. That's very accurate. Right, before we talk about uniforms. <laughs> but, so I went to that audition super green, super young. That would have been my like junior year. I would have been, no, I'd have been in my senior year of high school then. Got cut, obviously. It was nowhere near ready to be in that caliber of a line. Uh, ended up going next year for the summer of 08 to cadets. Funny story. Got con- I didn't think it was funny at the time, but I got contracted at cadets. For the summer of 2008, uh, by Tom Ox. He loved me, loved the way I played. I played great in my individual, I played great in the lines. <clears throat> he gave me a contract. I don't remember what month it was. Told me, yeah, we've made a commitment to you guys. And this is not a knock on the cadets, but it was super crappy for me personally. Uh, we made a commitment to you to give you a contract. We want you to make a commitment to us as an organization, start bringing back like tours, fees, and stuff, dudes. So the next month I went back, Tom was not at that camp, because at that time, Tom and Colin were both kind of at cadets. That limbo period. Yeah, and Colin, I don't know if it was directly him, I don't even really remember, but I ended up getting cut after I got a contract. That's because, like, that kind of defeats the purpose of a contract. It, it does. Like very one It makes you wonder. But there was a guy that they knew who had more experience, who was from UMass, which is where they're all from, the UMass connection. That kid ended up getting a spot. Um, And so I got cut from there, super salty. I was just like, went home, cried in my pillow. Not really, but... uh, You did. (laughs) You and I both wanted to be a cadet forever. And I think... Like I went, I I did. I love the cadets. I loved everything about them. Early two thousands cadets. I did too. Inspired me. Um, but then I went out the next year after watching the complete 08 season of like Phantom, just that Spartacus show, just pure adrenaline. I went to Phantom for my first camp for the summer of 09. I had no idea. Absolutely hated it. I just didn't like the vibe. Phantom is a great core, but it just wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't me. I didn't fit in there. I didn't really play that technique. So, I hated it there. When Rennick was still there. Rennick was still there. The Red Violin show. That was not their best show in core history. 
But I didn't like it there, so I ended up going to Crown. Made Crown in 2009 and 2010. And I will say I'm probably one of the rare exceptions of people who did not march a lower group, but worked hard, but also lucked my way into a <laughs> second-place drumline and drum corps for my first season of DCI. You didn't, you didn't uh, talk about the 2011 Bluecoats audition. Oh, yeah, yeah, 2011. So, obviously, it made Crown, March 2009-2010 Crown. Come around for the 2011 season. It was going to be my age out. Due to college and, like, an internship, I was basically, at the time, 100% sure I wasn't going to be able to march my age out in 2011 because I was going to have to do a summer internship in order to complete my degree for college. And I told all the guys at Crown, hey, I'm not going to be able to march my age out. I was I ended up being the center in 2010, but I was like, I can't come back. I have to finish school. It's just, I got to do this. And they're like, oh, yeah, we get it. Well, some things had kind of shifted with my school stuff, and it wasn't certain if I was going to be doing my internship during the summer or the fall. So I had been kind of calling around and talking to some different people, and I ended up deciding, hey, I might be able to march my 2011 summer age out. Well, I didn't really want to go back to Crown. Just there was some personal reasons. I wanted to kind of get a different experience, learn from some new people. I'd obviously already marched Rhythm X at that point and knew Tim Jackson and those guys from like that kind of Blue Coats X connection. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked that vibe. And I just wanted to kind of have a super chill summer and being a good drumline, I didn't want to have the responsibility of being a center snare. I just kind of wanted to go and drum and do my thing. So the day before, I guess it was the November camp, the day before camp, I decided I'm going to go. And so my dad's like, all right, I'll take you up to Canton. So my dad drives me up. I'm learning the drum packet in the car on the way up to camp. Like, I haven't looked at the exercises at all. I'm on my way up there. We get there. I check in. It's, like, Friday night. And that was by far the easiest audition of my life. Like, at that point, I had already marched two summers at Crown. I had already marched two winners at Rhythm X. I was going to do my third winner at Rhythm X. And I was just, like, I felt super confident. I was like, ah, I don't really have anything to worry about. And it was also so funny at that audition camp. You were, you say you were there? That was my first drum corps camp. And I, I remember watching you play Twitch before, like, Block. I remember you, like, I saw you practicing Twitch, like, on a pad before, like, uh, audition started or something. And I was like, oh crap, I'm playing that rhythm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was one of the kids that was like, yeah, I'm Aaron. I, uh, did two years of high school marching band. Yeah, dude, and that was kind of the one of the wild things. I don't remember if it was Shriver or somebody else that was in the room, but they had us go around. I don't know, maybe they were just killing time because they were like, it's Friday night, we don't really want to drum right now. But they had us go around the room, and everybody that was auditioning for snare drum in that room, he was like, oh, just give us your your experience and where you're from, blah, blah, blah. And like you said, it's like, Oh, I'm so-and-so. I went to this high school, this high school drumline. I'm so-and-so. I go to this college, this college. And me and Tom Gasparini, we're sitting right next to each other. And Tom's like, uh, my name's Tom. I marched in classic Tom fashion. I marched cadets for two summers and 
United Percussion and Rhythm X. And I'm sitting right next to him, like, um, oh, I'm Evan. I marched two summers at Crown and two winters at Rhythm X. And, like... There were only two spots, right? There was very, very few spots. Uh, There's, like, two or three, because they had a lot of vets come back. You could feel everyone's, like, And, like, everyone's just, like, yeah, like, just heartbreak just... city. Like, people just, like, bum, bum, ba <laughs> Like, they just got hit in the stomach, because... I mean, not to say that those spots were, like, guaranteed, but we had a lot of experience. And <laughs> I bet a lot of the older guys that were there that might have had one year somewhere else or something or were in college probably left Friday night. There were people that left Friday night. I, I would have. I if I'd been in that room and you and Tom, there were, like, two or three spots, and you and Tom both said, hey, uh, this is our experience, and my experience was, like, I marched Colts for a summer or just my college drum line or whatever in high school for four years. I would have left. Yeah. I would have asked for my money back, and I would have left. <laughs> but I remember that night, that Friday night, Mike Jackson and Eric Shriver actually gave me a contract. Like, I'd been there for, like, three hours. Like, hey, we want to give you a contract. And I was like, oh, I really, that's, this is great. Uh, I still am figuring stuff out with school because I didn't know whether or not I was going to be able to even march, which I ended up not being able to. That might be the quickest non-vet contract out of Corps <laughs> ever given in the history of Drum Corps. I, unless they just knew people were coming, probably. But, I mean, it was super chill, and I was, like, really relaxed the whole weekend. I was like, yeah. But on the flip side of that, there was just, like, this extreme animosity going on the back end because somebody had tagged me into a picture on Facebook at the Bluecoats camp, which no one knew I was going at because everyone assumed that I wasn't marching. So all my buddies that I just marched crown with last year, I was like, dude, are you at Bluecoats camp? And I was like, uh, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I was like, long story, and I didn't really have time to explain it, so that part was kind of crappy, but it all worked out, and it was funny, but that was the easiest audition of my life. Didn't you tell me that Drew Guy, like, pulled you to the side and, like, had a chat because you were a center snare of a top three group, and then he was too, like, he didn't want any, like, clashing to go on or anything? Yeah, I think he was just, like, he talked to me, and he was like, hey, like, I know you were, like, the center at Crown and Rhythm X and stuff like this, and I think he just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to, like, try to overstep my bounds. And I basically told him, hey man, nah, it's all good. I just came here to drum and have a good time and play clean. That's about it. He was like, okay, cool. I mean, I get it. I mean, it makes you know, sense you, why he would do that. You mentioned, like, you didn't want to be a center snare. You just wanted to, like, drum and hang out. And I think maybe uh, how much I, I enjoyed the 2015 season, maybe over even the 2016 season, like, I'm sure there was still, like, the same amount of crap going on behind the scenes. It's just 2016, I was aware of it and I had to deal with it. 2015, somebody else had to do it. So I was just like drumming, hanging out, having a good time. Yeah, like you said before, like your 2015 season was probably the easiest audition you had, even though you weren't a vet to Blue Coats yet. But in 2016, you were. Being the center. I drummed worse for when I was going to be the center of that line than the year before being the center it's pressure man was so stressful like not in, audi- in a in auditions i should clarify not in an <laughs> unbearable way but you just have so much more responsibility like anytime there's an ensemble timing issue or something's going on like you got to know what the answer is you got to know what happened why it happened you got to be able to communicate with the drum majors with the box it's... you have to play the same way every rep because i i know i have stood next to like, like, we've all stood next to someone that, like, I don't know if you're going to 
like drive that roll and play it in time this rep or like let it relax a little bit and if you don't know what to expect it's really hard yeah to play with them you know you're expected and then you have to do that yourself you're like man i don't want to let these guys down that are listening to me yeah you have to be perfect and it sucks and well it's cool and it's, it's cool because you get to play like what the rhythms the way you want to play them yeah it's empowering but at the same time it's like I don't want to let anybody down. I can't screw up. I can't screw up. I can't screw up. <laughs> so, so where did you stand in the line at Blue Coast in 2015 in the snare line? Um, S3. I was a uh, center So two five. in. So two in. Yeah. You were one in at Crown in 09, right? And then you got to in. be in the center or next to center, basically, depending on what part of the summer it was in in 10, right? Yeah, I started out <laughs> in the middle three. Well, the reason I ask is it's a lot easier to stand in the middle of a line than it is on the end or one end, isn't it? Oh, no kidding. Dude, standing right next to center is super easy. Yeah. Or even, even like, center five is great. I don't even know just, if I ever just stood one center guy, five. one guy in between you and the center. Well. And it was, for me, it was Devin Koning, who, another Blue Coast Rhythm X guy. Mm-hmm. And he was super solid. I don't, he like didn't take that summer. So I might as well have been standing next to Mike. Some guys are like that, man. <laughs> the guy that stood outside of me at Blue Coast on the end, Taha, he was consistent as hell. That that dude, like, rarely messed up. It was, it was awesome. But, um, yeah, it's it's there was a day in fi- finals week, actually, in 2012 at Coates. It was spurred that whole question about it, it's a lot easier to stand in the middle of a line than it is one end or on the end or something. Because I never made it. In oh, the yeah. big lines I was in, I never made it past one in. I was always one in, both drum cores I marched, I was one in. Um, and then indoor, I was one in at X, and then I was on the end in 2012. There was a day at finals week at Coast where we, we were warming up after lunch, and I was not playing well. My hands felt like crap. We were playing our triple roll exercise or something, and Mike Jackson was standing in front of us, and my hands felt like crap, like I said, and I just wasn't playing well. And so he, he cut us off and he pointed to me and goes, Fantini, switch places with Tom. Like he put me in the center of the line basically and put Tom one in. And in my head, I was like, this first rep, I'm going to play exactly the same way and see what happens. And I did. And it was perfect. And it was good. It was perfect. And I was like, this is so easy. What the heck? It, it is. And it's why it's never made sense to me why they always lines like that always put I don't want to say the worst player but by death there has to be a worst player in every every snare line you know like there's always no one is ever equally good across the board just yeah it's just how human beings are but making a line like that means you're obviously good making any top six drum line top eight drum line whatever but it's never made sense to me why they put the weaker players on the ends or one in. Well, but it's it's because those are the harder parts of the line to march. It's a double-edged sword, though, because even though, like on the outside of the line, it's a little harder to listen, harder to balance and play with everybody. On the inside, if you have weaker players that aren't consistent enough, then the outside players don't even have a chance to start with. Yeah, imagine having an inconsistent player in the very middle and then like both sides of the line like interpreting on each end differently. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not saying do something like that. I'm saying it, it would almost be smarter to have your two weakest players 
you have your center three. If you have nine snare drummers, you have your center snare. And then on either side, you have two strong players. But you put your two weakest players outside of those guys. Your center five. In the center five. Because then you have that stable center. Two weaker players have sound completely surrounding them to fit in with and play clean with. It's like a weak player, Big Mac. Basically. And I've never understood... <laughs> Being on the end's hard, man. Aaron, have you been on the end? I, I just... I, on the 11, the 11 man, so you understand completely. That is the worst. It's I've been on awful. the end. I've never played lighter in my life, except like maybe Scottish snare drumming. Well, for me, I, I have heavy hands. I always have. I, by the end of 2012, we got pretty balanced. I had to play with light sticks. I couldn't have a heavy pair of drumsticks. And then maybe that was a mental thing. I don't know. But there was finals week. They, they Throughout the whole season, the techs at Blue Coats, every time we got a shipment of sticks, would go through them, find the really good ones, and hide them away for finals oh, week. Yeah. And then you would get a pair. They gave us a pair of sticks for quarters, a new pair of sticks for semis, and a new pair of sticks for finals night. And I ended up using the same pair of sticks for all three nights because the pair they gave me for quarters was very light. And because I have heavy hands, I produce a more dark sound out of a drum, and we got pretty balanced that summer. And so it worked out. But I switched. I taped up. After quarters, I taped up my semi-sticks, and they were beefy. They were some heavy sticks. The very first ref we played, or we did some chunk the next day in the afternoon before going to semis, and it was just snare line. No no drum line sectional, just a snare line. And it was bad. Like, I was overplaying. I was too loud. And, like, Mike was polite about it. He just walked down. and was like, something sounded weird down here. And whatever. And I was like, yeah, we'll fix it. And I was like, yeah, I'll fix it. And so I, like, before the next rep, grabbed my quarter sticks out of my backpack that were super light and didn't change the way I played. And he came back and I was all right, cool. Fix, we're good. And, like, moved on. Like, it's... I, I understand your your uh, problems though because I I came off of the the 2016 summer so I have like sloppy loud center snare hands and then I'm trying to do I'm trying to play in the rhythm X snare line for 2017 and it's like the whole probably first month of the season it's like Aaron Aaron play softer Aaron <laughs> you're overbalancing everyone and it's like like, we all know that that guy in the snare line that overbalances everything and just is stubborn and won't change. So I didn't want to be that. Um, eventually, I figured it out. But it's tough to, like, bring your touch down. Dude, my, like, biggest contrast in playing with touch was, like, obviously 2009, I marched crown. Like, we played very aggressive, played with a lot of velocity. Um I won't say harsh, but we, we hit the drum. Like, we did not spare drum heads, that's for sure. Um, and then immediately after that summer, I went and marched on the end of the 2010 Rhythm X snare line. So I went from crown, where it's just like velocity, velocity, we're going to play through the head, to the end of an indoor line at Rhythm X, where they play with a lot more touch. Where the average age was like 23 and a half. Yeah, the average age was like, the average age... <laughs> actually was like 23 years old even though i was 20 19 or 20 at the time but everybody else was either a age out of dci marching their last wgi or they had the bonus year of wgi so there was like three or four 23 year olds or something like that on that line like chris gary for instance had 
he aged out of DCI at Bluecoats in 2008, but was marching the 2010 Rhythm X drumline because <laughs> of the way his birthday fell. And there was a couple people like that, actually. And that was actually one of the wildest auditions, too. Like, that was super stressful, the Rhythm X my first year, because basically it came down to it. The lat- they, had, they had eight guys basically picked who were all age-outs. And the ninth guy was going to be whoever they wanted to be the center snare for the 20, 2011 season. So they're basically choosing two things at the same time. This is going to be the ninth person in our 2010 snare line and also basically the center snare for our next year. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> so they're basically like, oh, congratulations. you got a spot. You're going to be center snare next year. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, that's not what they said, but. No, knowing the two, know. knowing the Tims, that's probably what they said. Oh man, it was stressful. All right, we've been going for a while. I want to push this in a certain direction here. Um, I want to talk with Aaron. What was just to talk about your summers at Bluecoats? Like you kind of touched on it a little bit, what it's like being a center somewhere and the stress involved. But you guys have become rock stars. Like when did that? When did that happen? Like we when I was oh, there gosh. in 2012, like that wasn't a thing. Like yeah, we were popular in the lot and stuff. People wanted to come watch us, but I feel like looking on Twitter now and YouTube comments and Facebook, like the Bluecoats have like established themselves as like the rock stars of DCI. Like, did you guys try to do that, or is that something that just happened organically and naturally? You know, you you say like 2012, you guys were not that, but I feel like you spurred that trend. Um, like you guys started doing the lot drill, you did flam jam, you played like Twitch, like stuff that people think is cool to watch in the lot. And, uh, I guess over the years it just evolved and it was just like, how can we do cooler stuff next year? I don't know. We'll add a drum set. I don't know. Well, you can play, uh, 24th notes in your flam jam entrance instead of just 12th notes. Um. <laughs> so, you, Mike, so, were you guys the first group to do the flam jam at Coats? I think so. Yeah, we were. So you did the flam jam. You did the twitch with the section solos. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I think cool. they had like played that. twitch actually in 2011, but I don't know if they did like the solo type thing. No, they, twitch was a 2011 thing, but they didn't have. Roger Carter wrote. Well, Roger Carter wrote the snare drums feature, and I think the individual texts wrote uh jeremy summers was the main quad tech i think with amador um i think jeremy wrote the quad maybe with anya might have collaborated a little bit who was the center quad that year and then i ryan lamb probably wrote the bass i think stuff. would write the bass stuff for it so then it went from twitch to like the vortex to like the vortex in 2014 that exercise is too long and too hard <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how any blue coast drumline has ever played that clean i mean it was it was definitely cool. I like I enjoyed playing it, but it was like you get to the end of it and you're like chopped out and it's like now don't get me wrong, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's just like so much time spent trying to clean it. It's like Oh gosh, we I don't know how many hours we spent just on like the snare break to the vortex. <laughs> we spent a lot of time cleaning the Twitch snare solo during move ins especially. Um and 
I mean, the end product was really cool. I don't know. I just... It's a lot of work into just, like, a, an exercise packet that is only in the lot. So you think maybe the rock star thing came from, well, metaphorical rock star thing, came from the fact that the Bluecoats might have started treating the lot as less of a warm-up? It's like a production. Yeah, it's, a produ- like, it's almost like yeah. the show before the show. Like, I remember <laughs> we coined that phrase. Bada-bing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think we started... T- we. Thinking back now, we did call it, we called our lots, like, or referred to them amongst ourselves, like, it's a show before the show. Like, it some really groups, is. like, I know Evan tracked in a lot in Crown. Oh, people hated that. They didn't want to watch it. Exactly. Like, we didn't yeah, do yeah. that. Like It was, okay, like, the But the we coolest, were clean. Yeah, they you were clean. You were clean. <laughs> the coolest thing. Should have won drums in 09. Yeah. I agree with that. The coolest thing, I think, about, like, the Bluecoats lot was, like, we got our stands over our shoulder, just like walk into the zone and people from everyone else's lots are just like abandoning ship and like following us to our lot just so that they can sit there and watch us tuned for 45 minutes. That makes me laugh too. (laughs) That makes me laugh too. You have like, we know because we were in it when a group first gets to the lot, you're gonna just, you have to tune, the guys stretch for a while. Yeah, you're gonna hang out. And then when they start playing, nobody wants to watch eight on a hand. Now, I guess the flam jam. They wanna watch flam jam now though. Why? I think that's boring too. It's like, oh watch these guys hack in sixteenth notes for five minutes it's before like the they start playing. Are cool, and then it's just like, well, alright. Now we're gonna listen to the Yeah, I mean it's boring to me, but I get it. Like I feel like the lot now has become like how cool can we make this to not only be fun for the members, but also recruit for people for the following years. I feel like it's... The lot is recruiting. It is. It really is. It's like a hard balance to find of like, this is entertaining and this also hits on skill sets that we need to be clean when we play our show book. Well, I think that it is gotting... That's a actually... Gotting. <laughs> I think gotting. I think that it, it has gotten further away from the skill sets. Agreed. And it's now more just... This is cool, but it has no real practical purpose. Absolutely. Like, it's just, it's kind of got ridiculous. Let's think about this. Like, this warms me up, but I'm also chopped out now, so. (laughs) My hands are tired before we get to the show music. But let's think about this for a second. This summer, 2017, yeah, this is 2017. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They all run together now. They start to. But, in my opinion, the three best groups right now are... Percussion sections, or drum lines, rather, are Crown, Cadets, and probably Vanguard when it comes to clarity. Crown is the... Like, I I wish that I have had been to a show more recently, but um, season opener, Crown was really clean. And if you look at those three groups, their warm-up packets, they don't really treat it like the show before the show. Their warm-ups are practical, simple, and apply directly to what their show music demands of them. I was, I was and Rennick has never strayed from that, if you look at Vanguard in particular right now. His warm-ups are, Evan, you were talking about this earlier, they play decrescendo, crescendo, eight on a hand, like every high school drumline in the country probably does. But it's perfectly balanced, <laughs> and it's perfect. That's what I'm saying. I feel like the more and more these groups try to have these almost show tunes, 
in the lot to make it more of a production. And I get recruiting is important, all that stuff. You got to try and be cool to get people to want to come do that. But the three cleanest groups, in my opinion, are the ones that have the simple, straightforward warm-ups that aren't playing that game right now. Well, you said, like, you spent so much time, like, hours cleaning the Vortex. Like, when you could be cleaning the book. Not to... Did you all play it last year? Did you play Vortex in 2016? We did. Imagine, like, this is a terrible hypothetical, but the hours that you spent cleaning that versus what could have been cleaning a show that you could have also won a drum trophy. It's like, where's the give and take? It's like, oh my gosh. Why do you do that to me, Evan? (laughs) What was your 2016 summer like? Like, did you have, obviously you said it was stressful being the center for a top six group, but like, I don't know. How was your summer of 2016? Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about your 2016 summer because you already mentioned earlier it was super stressful being the center of a top group in contention for a gold medal and possibly a drum trophy. Like, what was, what was that like? Um, I, I think the first thing I have to talk about is my finals week experience. I haven't heard this yet. So, um, semifinals in the lot. My stomach starts to feel kind of rough, but it's like, you know, this might just be whatever, it'll pass, I'm good. Then we, like, get into uniform, we hop on the buses, get over to Lucas Oil, we're in the tunnels underneath, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to throw up right now, but I kind of feel like I have to throw up right now. And, you know, that that uh, uniform kind of, like, came up like a turtleneck. Like up you top. mean the spandex you wore and <laughs> called it a uniform? I think it's Lycra, is that what it's called? I don't know. But It's lame is what it was. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. Um... So I was, like, like pulling, like, the neck of my uniform out, like, trying to get some air. Like, geez, I, like, do not feel good. And then I, I like, got up on the stage. Um, I think, really, like, adrenaline just carried me through that performance. We get up to the parking lot. Time out. Did you just say you got up on the stage? Yeah, the ramps. On top the, of the ramp. The main stage is the what we called. The, the skate park. The skate park. It's a stage. Mike, it was a stu- <laughs> it was a stupid prop. That one drum corps. All right. Anyways, <laughs> so we're like talking after the show, and I just I didn't go to the circle up because I was like, or what did I? No, I totally went to the circle up. Then we had some like onto percussion pictures that it was like me. Ben, our, our base two, and Mondo, our center quad, we went over there and took some pictures. Mondo? Mondo. Is that his real name? Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. He's, continue. He's a cool dude. Um, so, I made it through like three or four pictures, and it was like, I'm gonna spew. <laughs> and I like, I did not even feel confident enough to take my drum off. So I like, like went off to the side where I wouldn't get on anything like bent over snare drum between the legs so that I wouldn't bomb on my drum and I puked semifinals night and it <laughs> oh was gosh. it was like this stomach bug that had been going around blue coats so like that whole night was terrible um the next morning I woke up early before the pennies ceremony I went to urgent care got some medicine jingle jangle jingle jangle so I missed 
missed the penny ceremony, which was kind of a bummer. Um, I warmed up with the drumline, slept under a tree while they tracked for a little bit before full ensemble. Probably did like every third rep. And now, now mind you, in in all of my my four years of drum corps experience, this is the first time that I've sat out of anything. It's finals day of my age out. Uh, it rough. just hurt. Um, but I did the run through. I had to do the run through because there's the Blue Coats battery cam a finals run through every year. And you start the show. And I start the show. <laughs> That's kind of important too. And uh, so finals um i didn't puke so that was a success we won pretty cool also i didn't puke later that night either during retreat that's good and did you and guys you did the victory run yeah the victory run no i i would hate to do that by the I way i had no idea how hard that would be because we are conditioned for one show we pack up we get on the bus we tried as our best to sleep i can't sleep on a bus worth of crap your body's probably programmed to pass out after one run at that yeah, point yeah like the second run we got to the ballot and i was like jesus christ i can't make it through this like <laughs> well it doesn't matter how clean or bad you play at that point like you already won the season's over i mean yeah it was it was like a fun way to like just play the show no pressure with my buddies that was also really physically hard <laughs> well, speaking of like condition to play one show that brings back like a nightmare basically in 2010 I don't know if it's the first few shows first couple but in the beginning of the season they had these shows they called them like the triple C shows because it was Carolina Crown the Cadets and Cavaliers CCC but we did the run through and it was like for all these shows like the first two or three we did the run through and we're like oh sweet the run through go to the equipment truck like oh no we're gonna do another one we're like, wait, what? Why? For those first few shows, <laughs> all three cores did two run-throughs in full uniform. Why would it, you ever do that? I don't know. To get the experience, I guess. But the second run-through was always terrible. Just absolutely terrible. To get the experience of being terrible. I guess. Like, it was... And think about how much you sweat already during one oh, run-through. Yeah. And, like, these, like... It's like parade Thick, day. heavy uniforms also in the middle of this summer and you get done and you're just like all right your mind is done like i'm done i, I just did the run through i can kind of just like relax now like oh no we gotta go do it again excuse did me you have, i'm did sorry you have like a warm-up in between or just like no how, what was the time frame between performance one and two the amount of time that it takes three drum corps shows to finish uh, jesus 20 40 minutes something like that so you're completely cooled down basically by the time you go on a second time I don't know. I was completely tired. I knew that. <laughs> that sounds miserable. It was It was terrible. <laughs> and no imagine. one to this day, I think that's the only time they ever did that. We're like, I mean, did we do this? Not shows, but at Glassman, we would do like a full run through at the end of Vish Block or like Sectionals Block. That sounds terrible. And then another run through at the end of the night after Ensemble. I mean, we always did a run through on rehearsal days before we go to the show, but... That's something different, too. But, like, like multiple rehearsal run-throughs. Yeah, that's not great. I don't know how it was at Blue Stars when you were there, but when I was at Blue Stars in 2010, we never did full runs on show days during Ensemble. Really? Never. That's Towards, so strange I think me. that I don't know if that was a Tom Unks thing, because he ran Ensemble frequently when he was on tour and, with us, and 
we never once, for the win player's chop's sake, we never did run-throughs on show days. Rehearsal days, heck yeah. In, in ensemble at 9, nine o'clock at night, do your run-through. But And then at Blue Coats, we did. We did run-throughs every day at the end of ensemble. But I don't, I don't know, what was it like at Crown? Or... Well, at, at Crown, we would do production runs that's, towards the end that's... of the year. Like, we were going to, we're going to go through this first movement, through the second movement, and then stop. And they would actually block out parts of the show that the winds would play or the horn the winds the horns would play and that they wouldn't play like they the parts that were always there and were consistent they didn't play but if it was something that like hey we worked on this we want to play it so say we did the opener they're like all right brass you're gonna play from measure one to 31 take 31 to 62 out and you're gonna play from 62 to the end so they would do that to conserve chops but at the end of the year, we just do like production runs. We drums, Aaron Bell. Yeah, drums. We're gonna finger tap the uh, ballad, <laughs> and uh, nah, we'd always we, play. We at Blue Coats, we did production runs if it was like ridiculously hot. Like the the worst day of my 2015 summer was hands down Missouri. The sectionals field had tall grass. Everyone was, it was like really humid and hot. That's the worst. We broke up the show into like two or three big production runs for instead of the full run through. The hottest place we were in 2012 was in Wisconsin, actually. In Wisconsin, about probably the time of the summer they're on the tour right now, they're up in the, the Midwest part of the tour, is probably right about there. And it was ungodly hot. That was hot. That day in Wisconsin was hotter than Texas. The week we were there, then the south, it was so humid. I mean, we were on the turf field of that stadium, and it was, you could see steam just coming off the turf. And if you haven't been on a turf field, it's always hotter than the surrounding area. It's always hotter than grass. Like, what, 10, 15 oh, yeah. degrees? Those little black pellets, man, I swear they just heated up. For sure, but it was so hot. Like, you just said they had you all do just production runs. We didn't have ensemble. Like, we did our sectionals, Vish Block in the morning, because, you know, it's cool in the morning. We got to ensemble at the turf field, and it was so hot, you could feel the heat from the turf through your tennis shoes. And so we didn't chunk anything. We didn't have rehearsal. We we legitimately just, they were like, okay, guys, set up at the top of the show. We're going to run the opener. We did the opener one time. Like, went horns playing, drum, everything was in, all in. All right, go chill in the shade. They let us chill in the shade under, like, the scoreboard or whatever, or the stadium for 10 minutes. It's like you guys have, like, air dryers blowing on you the whole rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> and then And then they say, all right, set up the top of the second chart. We run this, we ran the second chart one time, lather, rinse, repeat for all six tunes, six charts we had that summer. And we did ran them each one time with a 10, 15-minute shade break in between. And the drum line found a pool. And then there was nice. an indoor pool at the school, Stock. and we didn't tell... Stock. We, yeah. <laughs> the staff found it, actually. Our drum staff did, and asked the lifeguards. They're like, hey, you obviously see how hot they're getting outside. There's like 22 of them, or let's see, five bases, four quads. Math. 17. There's like 17 of these guys that, would you be cool if they came in here and swam? They won't tell them the rest. There's like 100 people out there, but they're not going to come in here. Just 17. So they worked it out with the lifeguards at the indoor pool at the school, and we got to go swim, and we got back, and the, the core was so mad it, when they found out we got to go in the pool. It definitely pays to be in the drum line from from this conversation, from my experience. We the the Blue Coats every year rehearses in War Memorial Stadium in Arkansas, 
and there's an aquatic center next to it. I probably shouldn't be saying this on the podcast, but the Porn players won't listen to this. The uh, the drumline, I guess I should say the entire percussion the percussion section goes to the aquatic center. They have like the past two summers that I marched there, and I mean last summer it was like closed to public swimming, so we just found like some other like water park thing nearby. Like the rest of the horns didn't know about it. The color guard probably knew about it, but didn't say anything about it. (laughs) The two worst places that I remember marching, uh, number two, like Louisiana, just because the bugs were so bad. And then the number one worst place I remember in my two years on tour was Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. I hated Kansas. It was so hot. And so humid. And if the wind would blow, it felt like someone was just holding a hairdryer to your face. Oh, my God. I remember it was so hot there that during our run-through that day, the guard had stationed their water bottles near their equipment changes so they could go drink in the middle of the run-through. <laughs> That's I was what, like, I what call, are you all doing? That's what I, I call like, efficiency right there. I was like, all right, I guess I can't be too mad. That's pretty smart. Yeah. <laughs> Drumline just like everyone carabiner water jugs to their harnesses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, we've been going for longer than we planned on and usual, but we're all good friends here. That's how it it works out sometimes. But (laughs) we're going to go ahead and, I think, close this thing out. Um, Thanks for listening again, as always. Uh, We'll be back soon with with episode four. Thanks for having Uh, me on. Yeah, Aaron, it was was great having you. I'm sure we'll get to hang out again soon in the future. Be sure to... Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash agedoutpodcast. <laughs> and follow us on Twitter at agedoutpodcast. And of course, please subscribe to the YouTube channel that you're watching this on. I don't need to tell you what that's called because you're listening to this on there right now. So other than that, we'll see you everybody next time. Peace. <laughs>